Welcome to It Starts Within, a podcast from Platinum Performance, where we'll dive into the health challenges faced by veterinarians and horse owners alike. Join us for inspiring stories about the latest advancements in equine care, treatments, and comebacks. You'll hear interviews with elite competitors, innovative researchers, and the veterinarians that devote their lives to horses and the humans that love them. At Platinum Performance, we know the power of nutrition starts within. Welcome to the Platinum Podcast. I am Emily Smith, and I am thrilled to be talking with Liz Halliday-Sharp today, who is a star-studded three-day eventer, a member of Team USA, and we are very proud to call her a Platinum athlete as well. Now, a few things you may not know about Liz. She's originally from California. She lived in England for two decades. She was the 2020 U.S. Eventing Association's Rider of the Year, and she likes to go fast, which we will hear more about. Liz, thank you so very much for spending time with me today. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Um, I've been counting down the days to talk to you for pretty much forever. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I can't wait to hear all about everything, all the things. But I kind of want to start at the top and get to know your background a little bit more. Um, how did you originally get into horses? Um, so, yeah, my story's kind of a funny one. I, none of my family ride. I have no history of horses in, in any of my extended family, really. But if, for as long as I can remember, it was kind of what I wanted to do. You know, I remember being very, very little and riding the tree in the backyard with a towel and a jump rope for reins and sort of pretending I was there before I was. Um, and I grew up in Southern California and um, there was a little stables down the road from where I lived and we sort of drove past it to get to him from school every day. And I basically just bugged my mother enough until she let me go and take riding lessons. And um, the rest was history, I guess. Oh, that's really, that's cool. I love, I love when the background comes from kind of the random, the random person that comes from, you know, people are like, where did this horse girl come from? Um, and I know. I know that you have been actually a professional athlete in not one, but, but two kind of fast and furious sports, both three-day eventing and auto racing. Tell me about that. How did you get into that? Um, so that, that actually was a little bit family-based. My dad was very, very passionate in motorsport. He was an instructor, um, for the SCCA for a long time, I think like 20 years. And, um, yeah, it was sort of his dream to have his kid driving a race car. So, um, when I got my driver's license, when I was 16, I got in the race car for the first time. And I think probably he would have had me in a go-kart when I was very, very young, but I started riding horses. So um, okay. it wasn't really an option. Uh, but my dad was my first instructor and he was really amazing. And we shared a car together for a little while. He would race one class, I'd race the other, just low level stuff um, when I was young. And it sort of um, grew from there and ultimately was um, lucky enough to race on the professional circuit and, you know, do some of the biggest races in the world which was very exciting and um I miss it but um but I had to had to choose one form of horsepower so I've uh ha I've turned myself to just the four-legged style now but um it was it was fun to do both at the same time for for a long time in my life yeah definitely did it get to a point where you were kind of getting I guess sort of really good at both and you kind of had to pick one or the other just time-wise uh, a little bit yeah and, and honestly probably I would have been better at each of them if I'd only done the one but um if I'm being hard on myself for that um but it look I was 
I was young and I really loved every second of it. I was either on a plane or in a race car or on a horse basically and just bouncing all over the world and doing really cool stuff. And it was, it was amazing. And I was very passionate about it and it was very hard for me to step away. And then really what the factors that made me walk away from the racing was a few things. Um, number one, my father passed away in 2012 and he was, a you know, obviously a big part of my life in that sport. Um, and, uh, I also then got named to the high performance list for the first time about, I suppose around 10 years ago. Um, and that made me sort of go, hang on a minute, this is kind of a turning point. And then, you know, at the same time, I, I didn't have all the sponsors behind me that I'd had at the same time. And, and really in motorsport, you either have, you're either at the top or you're not, you know, mm -hmm. it's not like horse sport where you can develop a lovely young horse and find your way up there. You know, you either are able to compete at the highest level or you're back trying to figure it out further down. And, um, that wasn't really for me, you know, once I'd been at the top, I kind of wanted to stay there and I just didn't have the funding to do it either. So yeah, a lot of factors came into place and I just said, right, that's it. This is the switch. And I um, haven't set foot in a race car since other than maybe being an instructor a little bit, but okay. um, yeah, yeah, it was a very hard cold Turkey kind of approach that I had to do. Cause I thought if I do it sort of halfway or I keep my racing license, then I'll end up you know, only just being upset because I'll just go testing or just wish that I could do it again. So I had to just cut it off and focus on four legs instead of four wheels, I guess. Yep. Yep. No, that, that makes sense. That must've been really difficult. Um, did, been, yeah, of course. When you were being at, you know, high up, you know, high up in both of these sports, did, did racing cars teach you anything that could carry over into your riding? Um, they're actually surprisingly similar in a lot of ways, which is, um, crazy and I, and it's a question I get asked a lot <clears throat> and um certainly like from a cross-country riding perspective you know you you definitely wouldn't ride into a bounce combination the same way you would ride a galloping fence you'd, you'd want to have a different sort of weight balance a different speed a different engine so to speak a different gear if you will um for different combinations just like you would on the racetrack you know you're not going to drive a hairpin the same same gear, same speed that you would, you know, the big wide open fifth gear corner. Right. And from that side of it, for me, it was both sports are very much sort of weight balance, weight management, trying to be the most efficient uh, through a question or a combination. And um, that made a lot of sense to me. Obviously, the biggest difference is one has a brain and one doesn't, <laughs> which right. makes it wonderful and challenging all at once. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You can so. uh, you can really make the car do something that, you know, is your idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes you, you'd be surprised. Sometimes you think, why did it just do that? Like sometimes I would say the two felt more similar than they should, but, um, but, but yeah, that's definitely the biggest defining factor. And also what makes horse sports so rewarding in itself, you know, is, is having that partner and mm -hmm. having, having the brain that you're working with is what makes it so cool. Yeah. So you are from, you're from the United States, grew up in California, but you spent a considerable amount of time in Europe um, and actually lived there for 20 years. How did you mm -hmm. end up in Europe? Um, so it was, again, I, I give, I give my, my wild and crazy dad a, a lot of credit Well, both my parents really, but, um, so my dad knew that he had some health issues and he wanted to try and race some of the big tracks in Europe before he knew he couldn't drive anymore. Um, 
and my parents decided to spend the summer in England and I was um, at the University of California Santa Barbara at the time and so they said oh why don't you come and spend your spring break out here it was my junior year in college and um, so off I went to England because of course that's an awesome opportunity and my dad while I was there sort of said to me hey maybe you should try I think you should try and live in in another country for a little bit of time like maybe take a year off of school maybe focus on courses for a bit just just try and live somewhere totally different because that's what you should do when you're young um somehow long and short of it is one of our wild friends in um, England managed to get William Fox Pitt's phone number randomly calls him up says we've got this American girl over here you should interview her whatever next thing I know I'm on a train to his farm had an interview and he said why don't you come and work for us and that that was it so <laughs> um oh, what my spring cool, break that's yeah. a really cool opportunity coming from your dad though I mean I, I don't know I know I don't know that many parents that would be like you know what you need to go do this <laughs> to go far my away dad was um, <laughs> he was a real believer in um you know taking risks and just doing stuff that was a little outside of the box. And I, um, I really respect that in him a lot. And, um, but both my parents really, but, but my dad was the, the instigator. Generally. Okay. And what a life, <laughs> I mean, it shaped for you really. That's, oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. It, it was meant so to be a year. That. It was meant to be one year out, out of school and it ended up being best part of 20. So um, <laughs> you just kept renewing the year, the year. <laughs> yeah. I just sort of, yeah. And um, yeah, well, it was a, a wonderful Thing to do and I'm very glad I did it and I'm now proud to be a dual citizen which is super cool as well and um yeah it's look it was a big decision to come back to the states that we don't regret but I still am, am proud to also be British if very, that makes very sense cool yeah no it, it absolutely makes sense what what did bring you back to the United States um <clears throat> it was a, a difficult decision I mean for a few years we well we bought a farm in Ocala purely as an investment I had um, a little bit of inheritance money and I thought, well, let's be smart and try and invest it somewhere where we could, you know, put our, put some money in the right place for the future. And I did some research and thought, oh, well, Ocala looks quite good and looks like somewhere that's expanding, um, which luckily it has. (laughs) I was going to say, what a good, (laughs) a good place to do, um, you know, uh, a trial, you know, a a place that might grow. (laughs) Exactly. So I feel like we we got that part right, which was exciting. Um, And uh, funnily enough, I got on the internet and I found um, Ocala Horse Properties popped up, who are now some of our very best friends and my best owners and just basically like brothers to me now. Um, but yeah, so that's sort of how we got to know them. And so we found a farm in 2013. Originally, we were just going to rent it out. And I sort of thought, well, I wonder if we could make this work that we could come from England for the winter with some of the horses if I sold a few, you know, each winter. And ultimately, we put a little plan together where we did that for a few years, which was totally amazing and totally insane all at the same time. This seems you know, to be flying your horses. <laughs> oh, it was bananas, but it was awesome. Don't get me wrong. And it gave me a taste of, you know, trying to put myself in front of the selectors, trying to be a bit more present in the United States. Um, Cause I feel like a lot of them didn't even know I was alive because I'd been there for so long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. um, so that was a great opportunity. And then ultimately it was wonderful doing both, but it was not reality. Like we could not keep doing that. It's not sustainable. So we knew we had to choose one side or the other. Um, 
and we, you know, I strongly felt that for, I suppose, my aspirations of being a team rider for many years to come and um, as well as a business side of things that it made sense to move to the United States full time. So um, at which point my husband had a green card anyway. And so we said, that's it. He is British. Okay. Yeah. So you currently have farms in Ocala, Florida, and also Lexington, Kentucky, correct? Uh, well, sort of. We actually sold our Ocala farm this, uh, just this past November. We're still oh, wow. residing there, but we sold okay. it. <laughs> oh, that's, However, that's so we're, cool. However, we're under contract at a new farm already. <laughs> we have we have a contract going on a new farm. So Very good. We just downsized a little new investment opportunity. So yeah, it's it's been... And is the, Good, is, but, the new, is the new farm still in in, o, in Ocala or is it? Oh yeah, yeah, it's okay. close to Hits where the Hits jumping show is. Yeah, okay. it's really cool. So we're hoping that will all work out. Um, it's been kind of a whirlwind few months of crazy. <laughs> um, we sold our farm in England way. as well. Yeah, we've we've done we've had a lot of crazy, but um, but yeah, our Lexington farm we really believe is our forever home. You know, we okay. love it there, and we sort of said we'd always treat. Ocala is like you know good investment opportunity of course we love being here in the winter it's perfect with the WEC and everything and um, we'll still continue to do that but we sort of made a business model decision to say we'll invest the right way with that and then that that farm can always be invested in and maybe we sell that in a few years and that sort of thing but but our Kentucky home is really I think that's that's our place forever. <laughs> I mean, Lexington is beautiful. We um, love Ocala is beautiful yeah. too. That's those are two it good is. places to be like. Oh, I don't know which one we should, you know, spend more time at or whatever. Yeah, um, the winter changes your mind pretty quick in in Kentucky. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> that, that helps send you south. <laughs> yeah, I grew up outside of Detroit, so I can kind definitely ah, commiserate yes. on that for a little while. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, so Ocala, when you go to Florida, that's for the winter. So Kentucky is are are the horses in both places all the time or does everybody migrate with you one place and the other no we currently move the entire crew okay yeah the whole crew moves um which I think works better for us I don't really I don't really want to be trying to maintain like a running farm with horses there when I'm not there yeah sort of makes me nervous And, and maybe that model will change in the future depending on what we have but right now it works pretty well excellent well I think I don't know if if you know when you were a a when you raced cars, if that, if this, if that answers this question, but I did want to ask in your kind of personal journey as an adult, you've had, I mean, wow, what, what a, an amazing, you know, formative years, I guess. Um, did you ever consider doing something besides what you're doing now? Or was that, was it always horses? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I majored in marine biology actually at school, um, which, was another sort of passion of mine. I did some internships at some big aquariums and things like that. And um, we ultimately had a very big wall dividing saltwater tank in our English home, which we uh, built, which was really fun. Um, So that was sort of a passion that uh, it's funny because I think had I finished that up, it ultimately wouldn't have been my career in the end, Um, but it's still something I love. And then I sort of look back and said, if I hadn't carried on with horses I probably would have ended up working in television I think because I did I did a lot of um, live tv work and um, mainly in motorsport but I've done a lot of that and I really enjoyed that and I think had the equestrian side of things not gone the way I wanted then I think I probably would have pursued that more heavily 
um, rather than what I majored in school in. So there we go. <laughs> well, very multi, I mean, dimensional there though. That's wow. Those are very different options. I feel like <laughs> very, very different, but yeah, no, I, I did. I worked, uh, I did a lot of TV for, for motorsport for a lot of years. Yeah. For a lot of years. And, and I really enjoyed it. So it well, was, I, um, yeah. I think I can speak for fans everywhere saying that we're very glad that you chose to stay with writing. <laughs> so <true>. am I. <laughs> <laughs> well, for, so just getting a little bit more into the you know, your, your everyday and, and all the things horses for listeners that may not be very familiar with eventing, such as my mother, who I, I'm 100% <laughs> listen to this, would you just kind of do like a very brief 101 describing what it entails? Sure, of course. I think um, the easiest way to describe eventing is it's sort of the triathlon of horse sport. Um, it's uh, three different phases, dressage, cross country and show jumping, but all done with the same horse. So the, the challenge in, in the sport itself and in the training is having your horse relaxed and obedient um, to do a beautiful dressage test. But then the next day can be bold and brave and fast and gallop around a big solid cross country track um, with all kinds of questions, waters, drops, stitches, everything. And then on the last day to then be when they're still tired and to still be organized and jump a clear round in the show jumping. So it's, like I say, it's really is sort of the triathlon of horse sports. And um, I suppose that's what I love about it is I love the different training every day and, um, and that the horses truly love it. You know, no horses event at a high level unless they love it. I can tell you that right now. Yeah. And the, well, one thing that's always been amazing to me and I have never, I, I do the hunters. I, I have never mm-hmm. done the eventing whatsoever is that, that these, I mean, the horses that you're riding are extremely fit. They are so fit to be able to do the cross country. And then, you know, as a longevity kind of do the, you know, finish on show jumping, but to be able to contain that, to do a dressage test is, was, has always been very amazing to me. It, it is. And I mean, some do it better than others, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, and that's part of the, <clears throat> I suppose the challenge, cause I've produced nearly all of my horses from young horses, which is kind of fun. Um, but that's kind of the challenge in choosing the right athlete as well. And they are athletes, but choosing the right horse that has that, the brain for the job, you know, yeah. that's as important as the physicality um, is having the brain that is very trainable, uh, you know, and that you can, sort of keep them in the box when they are that fit because I can tell you when you take a horse to the Kentucky five star and they are fit and ready to run for 11 and a half minutes and you know but they've got to be trained and understand that each phase is separate and um, I think the good horses with the really right brain they're able to um, keep that in the box a little bit if that makes sense because they understand that the phases are separate it does it doesn't mean that it's not a challenge but that's part of our job is is the trainer is to teach them you're here and now you're here and now yeah. you're here. Yeah, yeah <laughs> One yeah. does not happen before the other. <laughs> right. And being that you did train yours from probably, you know, from doing more basic things all the way up to where, whatever their capabilities would be, how, how do you know, and I'm sure it's very much based on the individual horse, but how do you know when they're ready to go up to the next, you know, the next, the next uh, level, I guess, with yeah. Harder questions and, you know, higher, higher jumps and that sort of thing. Um, I mean, the biggest thing I've always said, and I've always told my owners this too, is that the horses will tell us when they're ready. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something I believe really strongly in. 
and it, that sounds kind of shishi, I'm sure, but it, it really is true. I think if you listen to the horses and you keep, you know, when you compete them and everything, they will tell you when they're ready for the next challenge. And it's very important to, to pay attention to that. And they learn a lot from, of course, we have to train them at home, but most horses learn a lot from competitions. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the real gauge when you feel them at the show and they start to really find it easy. They get a bit bolder. They're, you know, starting to, to look for the next challenge, so to speak. Um, Cause I believe that good, good event horses are, are always looking for the next challenge. Um, you know, they don't want to be kept in the same box all the time, just like good athletes in any sport are looking for a new challenge, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's always been my rule and it served me well. I know it sounds silly, but genuinely the amount of times I've said to, to people, you know, to my owners as well, they've said, oh, we're going to take this one to Bukalo, for instance, or for the four star long. And I said, well, the horse will tell us. He'll tell us if he's ready after yeah, this well, next and- run. And then, you know, I've said, yes, I think he's, he's definitely ready now. But yeah. you just and you believe that in your soul. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm right. <laughs> but Well, yeah. And, and listening to what you're saying, I mean, like how important it is for you to have that relationship with the horse too, you know, I mean, be able to have, I mean, if you're listening to them and they're telling you and, you know, I mean, it's pretty important that you're on the same animal. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, every horse is an individual, so you have to look at it that way too. And it doesn't mean that stepping up that level isn't going to be a challenge. It certainly probably will be, but you need to at least believe that in all three phases, that horse is prepared and ready for that next challenge. And that also is important in itself is, you know, you need to feel that you're prepared in all three phases to step mm-hmm. up. And that's sort of what we try and do here in the winter. It's great to have the World Equestrian Center. You know, my younger horses that are stepping up to intermediate, they're out jumping the meter 20 classes there to get more confidence in the ring away from an eventing situation. Um, you know, we were out there doing the dressage show as well and trying to get them comfortable just doing that, not thinking every time I do dressage, I then go and gallop cross country. Right, right. Because <laughs> right. I think it's yeah. good for the horses to just do that sometimes. So, um, yeah, it's a process. Look, we're, I'm still trying to get better every day and refine my training every day as well. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, well, maybe it'll change in a couple of years when you interview me again. <laughs> well, when you, you said just a couple minutes ago, um, you know, the, the really good ones have that, those, those good brains. They're smart, right? I mean, like they're, mm-hmm. they, they know what's, they know what they're capable of and they're brave. And they, um, I know that you have ridden several, what used to be four-star now five-star horses besides having that, you know, a, a really good brain. Is there, is, are there any other shared traits that you have seen between those horses that kind of have, have made it to like the top, the very top of their sport? um yeah I mean of course and and I ride a lot of different horses like everyone always laughs and says well you don't really have that much of a type because they're all really different but I say <laughs> my, my type is that my type is a good horse <laughs> number uh-huh. one but but um I think that really when I look for a young horse that might be the next top one for starters they have to be light on their feet that is one of my unbending rules they must be light on their feet when how they go across the ground how they gallop how they land off the fence because they just don't stay sound. Otherwise it's too much of a difficult sport for them if they're heavy on the ground. Um, I think they must have enough blood, which doesn't mean they have to be thoroughbreds, but they have to have enough blood, but even more important or as important is they must have an engine. Mm -hmm. You know, the horse must have that 
natural gallop engine from behind the natural scope you know they're not finding it hard to jump a big fence that sort of thing and i think my other thing is that they actually they have to be hardy so if i have a young horse that's too perfect all the time it makes me nervous the day that it comes out and it rears bolt upright with me in the arena and then i go ah now we might have a real one because <laughs> they have to be fighters they have yeah. to be have a little bit of spice in them and a little bit of fight in them to want to do the big stuff you know that's I think that's really important because no normal boring horse went and won a five-star like they've all got to have that little bit of quirkiness to them just like probably we do as athletes who are crazy enough to do it as well (laughs) I mean that's that's so cool that's I mean that's it's just fun that you know some people would be like oh absolutely not and you're like yeah let me have that one Oh no, I love that. They got to be a little bit quirky or they're probably not really good enough. <laughs> well, trainable quirky, but um, yes, yes. Yeah. Were there any, I know you have them. Were there any special horses that helped define you as a rider? Well, I know, there, I know they're probably one of them, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot, of course, but De Niro Z is obviously um, very special to me and he's, uh, we've been on a heck of a journey together for a lot of years um again he's a horse I got who had done virtually nothing as a seven-year-old he was very green and um within three years did his first five star which is pretty cool um he's just he's probably my best friend and um you know I'm just thrilled to have him back and feeling wonderful um so he's obviously been a big you know he's the horse that got me named to the Olympic team for the first time which is a big deal unfortunately we didn't go but um it's still the first step is uh is that step I guess deal yeah um I also had a a really wonderful horse called HHS Cooley who I actually went around my first five star on and um we tragically lost him in an accident at an event before he was meant to go to Burley um in 2016 which was horrible but he was a very wonderful horse again that I produced from kind of the beginning of his eventing career he jumped before that um but he was a very very special horse I'm actually sitting here at my desk staring at a picture of him oh. Um, oh. that I have on my desk um jumping at Kentucky in 2016 um so yeah he was a wonderful boy with a big heart and um a big engine and really loved his sport he truly loved his sport um and then there's uh the horse that took me from my first intermediate to my first uh four star long which uh was called Bally supreme he was called cheese in the stable i did not name him that <laughs> and uh actually we've had, we've had william fox fit here in ocala this week and it's been really fun to see him because william helped like came to look at cheese when i found him for me and we were just talking about him he's like you've come a long way from that little fat bay thing you had <laughs> and, um, I just don't know how that happens. Like, how does somebody get a baby? And they're like, you know what? Let's call this one cheese. (laughs) Right. Well, I got him from a crazy Spanish guy. And um, he said it was because he looked so he looked like a ball of cheese in the winter because he got so fat. So he called him Mr. Cheese. And I dropped the Mr. But I believe it's bad luck to change their stable name. So that was that. But but old cheese (laughs) took me from my first intermediate to jumping double clear in the Bucalo four star um as my first one in the pouring rain and um he didn't have the most scope but he did have the biggest heart in the whole world so um yeah he's he was a very very special horse to me and um yeah I've actually sounding like a weirdo now I've actually got his ashes in a little 
oh. basket here in my office somewhere. <laughs> uh, I just feel like yeah. if those the horses that are in your office have, I mean, they they were a big deal, you know. They were, yeah, and they are a big part of our heart and part of our everything, you know. So, um, you know, it's a partnership, as you know. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, those were probably the biggest ones to mention. But of course, I have a lot of horses that have influenced my life in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, no, I, I I know right now and previously and futuristically that you have a barn full of talented horses. Um, I know that you mentioned one, and then I, right now you have um, Cooley Quicksilver and Cooley Moonshine. So you ride a lot of horses that start with the word Cooley or have Cooley in their name. Who or what is that? Cooley <laughs> um, <clears throat> Farm is based in County Wicklow in Ireland, and um, it's primarily run by. Um, Richard and Georgie Shane, who I've done business with for the best part of 11 years now. Um, actually, how I met him, I went and tried HHS Cooley. He was the first horse I had from him. Um, and um, that's it's a prefix, like so many things, like Fernhill and whatever. But of course, if that's your business, like you should, you know, have a prefix so people know who sourced the horse. Yeah. So it's it doesn't necessarily have to do anything with breeding. It's mainly just that they will, you know, Richard puts his heart and soul into sourcing good horses all around Ireland, but also in Europe. And um, the Cooley title is is put on them. And, and I've done business with him for years. And um, a lot of the horses we found, we found together out on the road in Ireland, but because we found them together, I've upheld the Cooley name on the horse because, you know, we, we work well together. So, and I have a lot of trust for Richard and Georgie and you know, he's a very, very, very good, uh, he has a very good eye for a special young horse. That's so he's the first place I go, you know, it's the first place I go to for clients or for myself. Um, and actually, I would say I would reach out to him with um, other horses I find to just see what he thinks. I remember when I found De Niro Z, I sent Richard a video and said, what do you think? And he said, buy that one. Oh. So, you know, you um, <laughs> yeah so I you know I'd consider them friends as much as um business colleagues and um there's not many people I trust in the horse world especially horse dealers but uh-huh. I do hold a lot of trust for um Richard and Cooley Farms so well, it's yeah and I have a lot of great horses from them so. yeah I was gonna say I mean that the, it the Cooley name hasn't steered anyone wrong I mean that's a they all the horses have been a beautiful and b they seemed extremely athletic yeah and that's that comes from a lot of hours of slog if I'm honest from from Richard he spends endless hours on the road you know he'll spend days just sitting at a show jumping show just watching young horses jump around in case he finds one and it's it's not easy to find those really special horses now it's not easy to find them there's just not that many so, um, yeah, I have a lot of respect for him for that. And I trust his opinion and he knows what sort of horse I like too. So it's easy. And, um, yeah, I was actually only there about two and a half weeks ago. In Ireland. Like, yeah, well, I passed through Ireland then I went to France then I came home 
through Ireland. I was, it was like, you know, your typical 48 hour journey when you go to two countries. It's normal. <laughs> when you're Liz Hallie. That's what normal yeah. people do. <laughs> Jesus. I know I got home and I was like, whoa. <laughs> was well, I do want to talk a, a little bit more about um, who you said it's your best friend, Nero Z. And for those that are on a, a first name basis with him, it's Nero, correct? Yes, um, that's correct. And he yeah. is a, a 2008 Bay Dutch warm blood gelding and he is stunning. Um, I know we, you, there's probably so much, we could do an entire podcast just on him, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> what, what makes him, I mean, he, what makes him special to you? Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> so many things. I mean, we're just really good friends. I've kind of always said that to everyone. He was sort of always my horse from the minute I got him, which is kind of funny. And um, I found him not far away from us in England and wasn't a terribly expensive horse. You know, he was seven and he'd done virtually nothing and um, was very weak and didn't have the best jump, but through the odd shape occasionally that was good. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, he just seemed like a really nice person. And um, I, I got him and within about five days, I took him to his first event and ran around the equivalent of training level in England, an event not far from us. And I remember I said to my groom, Gemma, at the time when I finished, I said, man, this horse can gallop. <laughs> it was like <laughs> really cool. And uh, because basically a lot of the younger horses that are now my best horses, I'd originally bought as sale horses because that was always a side of my business. So I'd find a nice young horse, produce it and think about selling it. And a lot of times the, the quirkier ones that were not going to be easy to sell back then, you know, ultimately ended up being extremely talented horses. And I was lucky enough to find owners um, to buy into them so that I could keep them. And um, it's always been my rule that any horse I have in to sell has, has got to be something that I believe in myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that keeps it very whole and very, um, you know, truthful in yourself. So I can be, I can stand behind any horse that I sell. And um, it also means that if they need a little bit more time or I'm happy to continue producing them because they're nice horses. And sometimes I get lucky and I can put an owner into them. And sometimes I, I don't because I have to make money too. But, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, but, but De Niro was bought to be a sale horse and um, a few people tried him and he just was kind of always my horse. And then luckily he started winning a lot of things and um, became the first horse that Ocala Horse Properties had with me, which is fun. He's sort of our baby with all of that. <laughs> is he, no. does he have, is he quirky? Is he a quirky one? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he's look, he's wonderful. And he's, he tries extremely hard. He's, he's a very kind horse. Um, but anyone who's seen De Niro at the trot up knows what he can be like. Um, I think I was the only person that rode to and from both jogs at Burley because <laughs> there's no way we would have kept him. We would have lost him if we'd walked in there. Um, yeah, he's, he's a handful and can, you know, just randomly launch into the air with all four legs when you're on him at a show and things like that. But he's extremely professional. When you put him on the bit and say, we're going to work, he goes to work. Um, especially now that he's, he's 14 and we've been together a long time. So um, he definitely knows his job, but he can be certainly a handful when he's feeling a bit well. <laughs> um and, you know, every horse is a little different and they have their, their struggles and he finds flying changes extremely hard. He has his entire life. It's our ongoing daily battle for the, for the dressage. He does everything else pretty well. And we're slowly, but surely chipping away at those, but, um, 
that's just you know horses have things they find easy just like people do and things sure. they find hard but for the most part the like I say that horse we've just always been really good friends I don't know he just was always my horse he was just meant to be with me I don't I can't really explain it better than that but every day he is happy to work every single day that horse is ears forward what are we doing today I don't care what it is I'm just happy because we're going to work you know and that's just who he is for him being you know an elite equine athlete is he what knowing that you need to be very fluent in three different languages basically in in dressage cross country and show jumping and I know he's you know, he's not super green, you know, he's not a green horse anymore, but how do you, like, what's his typical schedule look like when he's, when he's in full training? Do, do you break it up per day? Like, you know, just, is he, I don't know. I, I've never been able to understand. Do you, do you jump every week? Do you just focus on dressage one day? What is, how do you usually do something like that? Um, I try with all my horses. I try and um, keep a lot of variety in their training, mm-hmm. especially for event horses. Cause they, you know, if you just grind away at them at one thing for too long, I think they get a bit fed up. So, um, and I would say, of course, there are going to be days when maybe you flat them and they're struggling with something or they're a little bit naughty. I might just revisit that the next day, but I would say very often we would like, for instance, this week, what do we do? So they, so those horses, they ended up galloping on Saturday. They had Sunday off because that was their one day off a week. And then we um, had a little jump just to check in with them on Monday um, because they're going to whack tomorrow. So we had just a little easy jump um, to just get some shape in them. Then they then De Niro did a 30 minute trot set yesterday, um, really working through and over. Today I had a dressage lesson on him. Tomorrow he will jump at the World Equestrian Center. And on Friday, he's actually going swimming. Oh, because we use that for some of our <laughs> fitness as well. Cool. Yeah. And then, and then he'll have a day off the weekend, but yeah, we try and keep that. And I use the swimming a little bit for some of the horses, not, not all the time, but like once a week, maybe, Uh or if I'm not around to gallop them, I don't have the staff gallop them. I'd have them go swimming instead. Okay. Okay. Um, But yeah, we try and gallop kind of every fourth or fifth day. Okay. But you know, it's just big variety, you know, because you can still do good work with them without doing the same thing over and over again. Yes. Yes. Well, and then something I've been, I've been biding my time waiting to hear about because I'm especially interested in it, but how, how does the nutrition, how do you use nutrition as like, how does it play a role in your program? Well, it plays a huge role. And I mean, it's something we've thought so much about and, you know, what feed we use, what supplements we use. Um, I think the biggest thing we have to remember with the event horses is they are athletes. They are top athletes. You know, they are like a triathlete. So it's for our standpoint, we're constantly trying to think, are we getting enough of the right nutrients in without adding in the wrong things for perhaps the horses that are a bit ulcery or the horses that have, you know, maybe they're a little too fat or they struggle to keep weight on. And it's always that, that fine balance. Um, But, you know, we're big on using electrolytes for all the horses and we use um, sort of a standard, um, how would you describe the, like the platinum GI is a wonderful product. I love just having all the horses on just a a base supplement that just gives them everything they need. Do you know what I mean? You know that they're getting each piece of the pie that they might be missing 
in just one easy mixture, but we love adding in that gastric support mm-hmm. into all the horses because the event horses are under a lot of stress. Yeah. That's what we have to remember. Even the ones that love it, because they all love it, but they're traveling a lot. They're on the trailer. They're doing a high stress sport. You know, a lot of uh, adrenaline is involved. That can be hard on the gut. So we like to include something that has a bit of gastric support in, in all of their feeds, just as a basic. And then of course, depending on each specific course, we just add in the other things that we need. Um, but it is very much an individualized program. You know, yeah. I try and check in on the, on the feed chart every week and, you know, we try and look at the horses and say, oh, this one needs a little bit more food, or maybe we up this, or maybe we try this. And it's very much a, a team effort between the vets and the physio and the farrier and everybody, we try and make sure that we're looking at the whole picture. Yeah. Do the horses, um, do they get, are they, are your horses turned out? Do they get to go outside and, and play or do they mostly stay inside or does it depend? Oh on my gosh. The no. horse Ours are outside all a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would say a, a large bulk of our horses live out at night. Okay. Um, a, most of the upper level horses stay in at night just because I want to know what they're doing, um, but they yeah. do go out for a very good part of the day, if not most of the day. Um, but the young ones, I, most of my young horses, I try and have them out at night because I think it just is really good for their brains, especially the, the hotter, busier types yeah. uh, really benefit from being out at night. And, um, it's, it's tempting to try and just wrap them all in cotton wool all the time right. but horses still need to be horses <laughs> and you have to let them be horses yep yeah um, it, it's part of their mental health and and then so those are some of the many details that go into your horses for yourself also also a very elite athlete I, I'm sure there's so much that, you know, dedication and preparation, and you only have so much time in your day and your week and everything. Is there anything that you do to prepare, to prepare yourself as an athlete? I mean, just in general, you exercise like crazy, I'm sure just on the horses all the time. Does nutrition play a role for you also? Um, yeah, I mean, of course it does. Um, I, I'm kind of a person I, I try and eat all day long. I'm not mm-hmm. like a big meals person, but I, I'm a very big believer that that's better for you if you're exercising all day. Um, I definitely eat breakfast. I do not know how anyone survives who doesn't. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm an early riser. I get up super early every day. I do a lot of my work in the morning because I'm just a morning person. So um, I do drink a lot of coffee. Uh-huh. Not gonna lie, I'm a really big coffee drinker. Like it keeps me going because I'm riding a lot of horses right now. Yep. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of a snack through the day. Um, try and just intermix with protein and um, carbohydrate and fruit and stuff. But I'm not gonna say I'm the perfect picture of health, but I do try and look after it. If that makes sense, I'm very yeah. conscious of what I'm eating every day. I don't yeah. just eat blindly. I'm not, I'm not a, you'll never see me at a horse event eating a giant burger. Let's put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's not ever going to be me. (laughs) Um, Well, I, you touched on this just briefly earlier. Um, I think of eventing to me as like kind of an extreme sport in more ways than one, you know, it it requires athleticism, power and speed. But then I, I would say maybe even more than any other discipline, um, eventers seem to be faced with extreme emotional or mental high highs and low lows. Um, you obviously a truly brilliant writer that have won 
tons of things and 2021 has been no exception. You know, 2020 was a very particularly standout year. Um, nine international wins, 16 national wins. That was the USDA Rider of the Year. You were the first female to have won it in almost 40 years, which is pretty exceptional. Um, and then, like you said, you went through the arduous process of qualifying for the Olympic Games, selected as one of very few three people, I think, to, to actually be on the team and represent mm -hmm. your country. Um, and then you had to deal with the, you know, incredible disappointment of, of having to stay home from Tokyo because of a last minute injury in Nero. Um, you know, most, I'd say most of us, of course, can't even understand the scope of how you must have felt, but how did you, how did you deal with that mentally handling something like that? Um, yeah, last year was really tough. I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. It was a, a really, it was a lot of stress and a lot of, um, it was a lot of highs, you know, obviously I've spent my entire life wanting to be selected to the Olympic games. So that was a big deal. And obviously I wanted to compete at the Olympic games. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I know that we did the right thing for the horse and, Thankfully, he's 100% now and back in full work and absolutely flying along. Uh, but it was, um, yeah, it was heartbreaking. I mean, there's no way to say it. It crushed my soul at the time because um, you put so much of everything in your life to try and get there and to do the right job and to have it fall apart at the seams so close is, is pretty horrible. And it was hard on my owners. It was hard on my family. It was hard on my team. It was hard on everybody. Um, but you have to sort of figure out a way to pull your socks up and keep going. Um, and uh, I had a, you know, it's just one of those years where I had then a lot of other weird little issues and very good horses, you know, stuff that shouldn't happen, really weird stuff. You know, it's just one of those years like mm -hmm. where the universe dropped you and then it just kept kicking you. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, I had to try and find, um, a new strength in me <laughs> for yeah. sure. And, um, I figured out that if nothing else, I'm quite hardy, which is good, yeah. <laughs> which I, I said to my husband at one point, I said, well, the one thing I've learned out of this is I am quite hardy. Um, because <laughs> I just kept going, just kept resilient. working. I, just, I mean, I think resilience. Uh, yeah. Is, you just, right. I mean, well, and having, obviously most of us aren't at your level, but I think anyone involved in horses has felt obviously dis disappointment at some point where I'm not, this is not apples to apples, but I think the fact that putting the horse first above anything else um, is always the right call. Um, of course. Just, you know, it, there's just remembering that as stewards of the animal that we love, it's, you know, that's, there wasn't any other, there wasn't anything to do, whether the universe was just kind of, you know, getting your number at the time, it, it just seemed like it was the right, it was the right call, it, of course. Oh, absolutely. There was no, no question. I mean, and we had, uh, I mean, the support that I had from the whole team, you know, they fought for me like nothing else to try and get me there, you know, from the team vet and Farrier and Eric and Jenny, and they all did everything they could because to get me and De Niro there. And ultimately we all made the decision and it was the right decision and it was unanimous and there was no discussion. I mean, it was not ever going to be a situation where we would put him under risk of like something catastrophic if he'd gone. And that was just where we were. Um, and I suppose I've said it a lot in the last year, but 
it is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no way around it. We did the right thing for him. And then it, the next step was okay. And now, now what do we do for him to make sure his future is good? And you know, what's next? Cause you can't sit there and wallow in it. You just have to look at what's next. And what was next was, is the world championships for this year. So, um, just had to refocus on that. And for me, I just had to keep working. I just couldn't sit there. Yeah. So I kept working (laughs) and that's, uh, yeah, I did a lot of teaching. I wrote a lot. I actually did a clinic in California as the Olympics were happening and then watched some of them with my family. Um, just tried to keep going and keep looking forward, but I'm not going to say there weren't some tears along the way. Cause of course I don't think I'd be human if there weren't. Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, and, just and I, and I had wonderful support obviously from my lovely husband and my family and everybody was very behind me. My owners were incredible. I mean, I still remember them. We had a zoom call after we went through all this and they said, right. Well, the first thing is with crisis equals opportunity. So how do we make the whole system better? Which I thought was just brilliant. Yeah. You know, they were just, they're 100% behind me. And, you know, I'm very, very lucky to have that support group, that broad support group. Well, and to see him back, I mean, you know, just he's, I don't know, I saw just following you on social media that he like had done a jumper class a few weeks ago. I don't know how long he's been back for, but to see him back at the level that he deserves to be at and everything like that, it's just, it's awesome. Love it. Yeah. He's feeling great too. I think, I think he, um, you know, we, he was uncomfortable for a long time, I think, and we didn't know it. And he's, he's feeling really fabulous now. And um, we have an amazing farrier and all the horses look great now. And, you know, he's just feeling at his absolute best, which is awesome. You know, it's nice to have my friend back. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So much commitment, so much sacrifice to be at the top of your sport. Um, And when you're in charge of a program like this, it is 24 seven. you can give tons of examples, I'm sure, of how it's really a 365 job slash lifestyle for you. And, and one of those components has is travel. Um, I'm just curious how often, I don't even know if it's easier to say how often you're on the road competing, or maybe even easier to ask you how often you're actually home at the farm. <laughs> well, I'm actually not competing this coming weekend, which is one of the only moments for a long time. Um, but I am obviously still going to whack and all that stuff, but, um, but then after that, it's every weekend until I think the third week of April. And then it's yeah, maybe every weekend until sometime in late June. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, but it's good. Look, it's what we've all, I always say, cause you know, I have a ton of horses in work right now, which I love, you know, I'm riding mm-hmm. 10 to 15 horses a day and it's, it's very busy right now. It's very busy, but I have a really great amount of people helping me and it's what I always dreamed of. So any day when I'm very tired, I say, well, this is what I always wanted. So I can't, you know, it's great. I have really good horses that I get to ride every day. I think each of them are very talented. So I enjoy that. And it's um, a very much a full-time job. And I do try and have some time away occasionally with my husband and friends, but, um, but I'm very lucky to be able to do what I love every day, frankly. So I try and bring that with me each day. 
Well, and I know, you know, just in case you wanted to have any downtime, um, you're, also, <laughs> you're also a very sought after clinician. <laughs> and um, I know you come and go to different farms and programs all across the country to teach riders. I, I'm curious, how do you how do you work with horses and riders with a totally unfamiliar background to you? Do you just kind of pick up, you know, you just have a something or do you watch them go? And I don't know, that just seems like a gift to me. I, I mean, I love it. I really enjoy it. And I've been lucky to meet a lot of wonderful people and I've um, been out teaching clinics and it's something that I will continue to do. I'm positive for as long as I can do it, if I'm honest. Um, yeah. But for me, it's really just, um, I don't know. I think I, I just watch people and I pick up on stuff and I, I, I really like horses. Mm -hmm. So I watch the horses as well. And just, I love being able to watch a rider and a horse and, and watch them together and just try and pick out those little pieces that might make things better, you know, without yeah. feeding someone everything at once. You know, I love being able to say, well, here are just a couple little things that I think will make a difference. And you know, quite often those are big differences for them, mm -hmm. which is exciting. And then, and then we can work from there. But I think it's important to, especially when people are trying to cram a lot into their brain to not give them too many things at once. You've got to try and simplify the little things. And, and very often it is just little things that make mm -hmm. such a huge difference. Is it something, again, just out of curiosity, do you, like when you go into a clinic, do you have an idea of what you're going to do? Or is it more like you kind of get, you know, watch everybody warm up and have a few simple exercises and then kind of zero in on small things to, to work on? Um, well, at most of the clinics I've done, I usually land and then I teach some dressage lessons that okay. day, which is fun. And a lot of that's just down to, I'll just say to people, you know, you tell me, a few big things that you want to work on because obviously I don't have, I don't know the combination. So I always find that's better to try and zero in on like, here are some goals. Let's work on those. Um, that gives me a chance to, to make that valuable for them. Um, and then of course I always have, like I will have sent a jumping course ahead of time because usually I do then group jumping lessons and sometimes we do cross country. So for the jumping lessons, I will have previously set, sent out a course that I want that's okay. there. And then we would warm up over something, a series of fences, and then we would jump around a course um, a couple of times generally. But that gives me time to just kind of get to know everybody. And then usually I've, all the clinics I've done, I have most people for two days okay. jumping. So then there's a chance to sort of look back at, you know, where people have improved already and what we can then build upon from that. And that's, even if it's jumping again the next day or it's cross country, there's still something to build upon that we learned on the day before. Um, so yeah, I really enjoy it, honestly. It's their, their long busy days, but um, if I can come away having given someone some good tools for the future, then it's worth it. Yeah. Oh, I, I had two people, this is just randomly that I was talking to on the phone, didn't know each other completely separate, but they, they either saw an ad or knew that we were um, affiliated with you. And they were like, oh, Liz Halliday Sharp, her, the clinic that I rode in with her was absolutely spectacular. So the, oh, I mean, awesome. it, That's it nice was really cool. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. Um, can you tell me something that you this is going to be a, a, you know, a love and hate, not hate, but um, evolving. Um, can you tell me something that you really like about your industry? One of your favorite things about eventing or just kind of the, in, <clears throat> at, at large, not just specifically, you know, your horses. Um, I mean, 
I suppose what I really love about eventing is um, it's the variety and, and that training a horse to do three completely different phases, I just think is fascinating. And to teach them to do all three of them well. Um, I really enjoy that side of it. I enjoy the training side of it. And honestly, I really like the community. I like the people that people that events are a pretty hearty bunch, <laughs> you know, <coughs> excuse me. I enjoy that sort of process. And um, I love being on the road. I like competing all the time. I like being under pressure all the time. Um, so I'm a very competitive person and I work well under pressure. Like I, I feel like pressure makes me better. So I love that side of this life where I'm just out competing all the time. I think that's, it, it puts pressure on me every day to figure out a plan for every horse at every level and my working students and what they're doing. And so it's just like every day I'm like, how do I make all the horses better one way or another, but they're all doing different things. And that's what I think is just fabulous about eventing really. It's something different every day. Yeah. Liz, sounds like you're in the right business. <laughs> oh, I am. Um, <laughs> Much to my husband's sadness. And <laughs> <as> I am. <laughs> Um, and then is there anything that you, that you would change or, or even might hope might evolve in eventing? Uh, I mean, my gosh, I think the sport is event is evolving all the time. Um, it's kind of hard to keep up if I'm honest. Um, the biggest thing I would say that I hope keeps getting better is just ground management at all the shows. I mean, especially in this country and it is improving, has improved already. But it's uh, if we want to look at longevity for our horses, we have to keep really being, you know, pretty pushy about that. Mm -hmm. And that's where I hope the sport is going to evolve to is that everywhere it's a priority to have horses running on the best ground that can be delivered. And, you know, the best courses that we can have and, um, you know, the best designers and the best, just trying to do the best by the athletes that we ride. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I would like to see change. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think the sport in itself continues to evolve in so many ways as well. And horses have, I mean, the standard of horses is so different to what it was even five years ago. I mean, they're just, you just have to have that much better horse on the flat and that much better a jumper and that much better cross country horses. And it's, uh, yeah, it's difficult, but that gives us the, uh, the opportunity to get better ourselves and keep training the horses from the beginning to be the best that they can be really, I guess. Yeah. Um, you have a resume that's a mile long of career accomplishments. Are there any short-term 2022 goals or, or even bigger, more long-term ambitions that you have your sights set on? Oh yeah, there's lots. <laughs> there's lots. Um, uh, there's a whole bunch. I mean, obviously, 2022, um, I would hope for some very good five-star results. Um, you know, top top three somewhere, hopefully, is my goal. Um, uh, and, of course, I want to be present uh, on the WEG team and, and help us win a medal. That would be a very big goal. Um, I have unfinished business at Burley, so I need to get back there and <laughs> um, get a better result than 15th. Um, and I am definitely planning to go to badminton. And I'm a little bit, I would love to go this year, but it's just not the right decision with 
WAG and everything um, that we have to focus on, but I definitely have plans to get myself to badminton next year, hopefully. Um, and then there are um, multiple Olympics in the cards that I'm also planning to put myself in in the forefront for. So um, there's, a, there's a lot of things I intend to do in the next 10 to 15 years. So, <laughs> so I'm just, just I heard a lot of big out. names in there. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of big stuff. So I'm <laughs> just trying to have the right horses and try and keep producing them so that they I have multiple horses for every championship. That's really my my biggest goal because what I want to do is is represent my country on lots of different teams and hopefully help them win a medal. So that's that's the end goal pretty much every day. Yeah, awesome. Huge goals, but you have incredible horses to partner with you to accomplish all those things. Um, well, I know that a big event coming up soon for, for you, for Liz, is planning to compete um, several horses, including De Niro Z at the Land Rover Kentucky three-day event, uh, which will take place April 28th to May 1st at the Kentucky Horse Park. Um, I actually had the totally awesome experience of attending that back in 2019, I think it was. Um, it was one of my favorite horse shows or events that I have ever been to. And I, they call it the best weekend all year. And which is absolutely true. Um, and for visitors, aside from seeing the world's best horse riders compete, there's just tons of things to do. Um, one thing that I, that I did was one of the course walks, um, again, like not the eventing, not my background, I, actually standing next to these obstacles and jumps that are taller than me and wider than the car I drive. It just gives you a really great idea of how, incredibly athletic eventing horses are. I mean, it was, it was breathtaking, honestly. Um, but there, there's also tailgating and autograph signings and so much shopping. You can spend as much money as you want to. Um, <laughs> anyways, it's so much fun. And if anyone is listening and has never been, I would highly suggest putting it on your equine to-do list because it is, it is a blast. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to describe. Um, but Liz, we wish you the very best luck in Lexington. Thank you so much for taking the time to star in this episode. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Listening to all, all the things that you said, I'm, it's very inspiring. Oh, well, thank you so much. And thanks for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. We will also have a featured article about Liz in our summer volume of the Platinum Magazine, um, which actually will be out before you know it. If listeners, if you don't receive our magazine, just go online to platinumperformance.com and subscribe. It is free. Um, it always has great articles about athletes from a huge variety of different disciplines, um, seasonal topics, healthcare information, lots of deep dives into nutrition also. And then all of our past articles are available online to read as well. So check that out. Thank you all for spending time with us today. I look forward to joining you again for the next episode of the Platinum Podcast. It starts within.